everybody. Welcome to Theater Schmooze from Alliance for Jewish Theater, where we chat with Jewish theater makers from around the world about their art, Judaism, and vision for theater's future. I'm your host, Danielle Levsky. Today, we'll be talking with Adam Immervar, who is the artistic director of Theater J, as well as a director, producer, and educator based in Washington, D.C. It's such an honor to have you as a guest in our show, Adam. It's such a pleasure to be here. So Adam serves with me on the AJT board, as well as does a million other things in this wild, wonderful world of theater. And as the artistic director of Theater J, I wanted to ask about your upcoming production, Tuesdays with Maury, which is opening on November 10th. It's an incredibly moving play, a well-known story, a classic in its own right. I saw in a press release for Broadway World that you said Tuesdays with Maury is a play that asks the audience to look deeply into themselves and celebrate what they find. You were all originally meant to put on this play in the 2021 season, but then, as we all know, uh, many productions were postponed, including this one. So one pandemic later, what does this play mean to audiences today? You know, Tuesdays with Maury is a, incredibly beautiful story at, at once so sad a story about loss but also so uplifting because it's a story about how to live and i thought in coming back from the pandemic to the degree that we are back audiences would be ready for plays that help them think about what really matters in life plays that teach incredibly important lessons and plays that that ultimately help us think about and process what we have gained from those we have lost. In other words, what they've left for us. Mm. And, you know, there's, a, there's that beautiful, beautiful saying that, that one says in a Jewish context when, when someone loses a loved one, you say, may, may their memory be a blessing, which I find is a sort of uniquely Jewish way of talking about grief, that phrase. and. To me, Tuesdays with Maury teaches that lesson in a in a the play teaches that lesson in a profound and meaningful and beautiful way. Wow. Oh my gosh. I'm going to start tearing up myself. That was beautiful. And I love what you said about it being so connected to a uniquely Jewish thought, which is that we find the good in everything, including the darkest of times. I love that. Thank you, Adam. Speaking of Jewish themes. I wanted to ask about your leadership in other theaters that you had before Theater J, which included a lot of regional theaters, the McCarter Passage Theater on stage. And now you're working in a uniquely Jewish theater, arguably one of the most well-known Jewish theaters in the U.S. So I wanted to ask, how has that time being in leadership at the regional theaters informed your current experiences at Theater J? Yeah, it's a great question. You know, I was really blessed to work predominantly at three different theater companies, as you've mentioned. So McCarter was a, you know, Tony Award-winning regional theater with a budget upwards of $10 million. Passage Theater was a small professional theater that produced incredible new work in Trenton, New Jersey. And Onstage was a collective of senior citizens who collected and performed the stories of their community and performed them at nursing homes, conferences on aging and caregiving, libraries, etc. And so there was a period of time where I was working at all three simultaneously. I was the oh, wow. associate artistic director at McCarter as my full-time job. I was the resident director at Passage Theater. 
And I was the artistic director of this small sort of like guerrilla senior citizen community <laughs> group. <laughs> and in a funny way, it is the intersection of all three of those experiences that prepared me to be at Theater J. Theater J is a theater with a budget size of about 1.5 to 2 million. We are a professional theater that the tools I, I learned at MacArthur, I, I use every day here, but we are also a scrappy theater like Passage was at times. And we are deeply entrenched in our community in a way that, that onstage was. And so the, the intersection of all three of them, I feel like uniquely positioned me for Theater J in a number of ways. One of the things that I find most remarkable about Theater J in comparison to other theaters I've worked at and other theaters I've spent time at, I feel like there's a lot of theaters that you can go to and they have a mission statement. But at the end of the day, the mission statement is like a jumble of words like excellence, community, whatever. And if you really studied the mission statement, you wouldn't be sure what plays to do if you didn't know the theater. It actually is a sort of vague mission statement about general goodness and professionalism and quality. And one of the things that attracted me to Theater J was like my senior citizen theater company that I worked at. It was a theater that was such a clear mission. Mm. You know, we know what our role is in the ecology of theater in DC. And there's an incredible ecology of theater in DC. We have over 84 professional theater companies, but Theater J very clearly is a Jewish theater company. We are serving the Jewish community and the non-Jewish community with stories from the Jewish experience, from Jewish history, from Jewish culture, from Jewish life and religion. Mm -hmm. And that sort of laser focus and clarity has allowed me to, in some ways, blend the best of those three experiences of taking all the things I learned about working in a, in a, you know, fully budgeted professional theater. We were sending shows to Broadway, you know, working with, you know, Tony award winners all the time. The things I learned about, you know, about creating community in a scrappy theater from the incredible passage theater company, which was an amazing place to work because they were so intentional about the experience of their artists. Mm. And then the, the experiences of being deeply embedded in a community with, with a mission that was crystal clear and, you know, could be, reverse engine you could see one of our shows at on stage and turn it around and reverse engineer our mission and you could read our mission and you could accidentally create one of our shows and so <laughs> that to me was a a really wonderful blend of experiences to prepare me for this mm, that's wonderful i'm hearing a lot of themes of purpose in what you were saying about your experiences of regional theater and at theater j do you find that it is more effective for a theater to always have a distinct purpose or always have a distinct mission behind it in order for it to be successful? Well, I think the question we should be asking of our nation's non-profit theaters, everything except for the commercial theater, is what is the social good that this institution is doing? Mm. What is their case for social good? And Producing excellent theater is wonderful, and I guess could be your case for social good. But but my question is always, what is this theater doing to and for the community that it's in? Mm -hmm. And is it is it is it about bringing art that otherwise wouldn't be available? Is it about empowering the community to create art with the professional theater company and be in mm -hmm. partnership with them? Is how is it in dialogue with them and 
And how is it responsive to a unique need that this community has that this theater is now resourced to to fill? And I do feel that occasionally I, I run into not-for-profit theaters around the country that seem to exist just to continue their own existence. Mm, mm-hmm. that, that, that their mission, they have a mission on paper, but that the mission sometimes becomes, you know, keep everyone employed and keep the theater running and keep it alive. And that isn't a thing that you're doing to the community. And it's not a thing you're doing in the world. And it's, it, 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 bec- it becomes effectively like a little for-profit business that doesn't turn a profit. <laughs> and so to me, one of the things that it was exciting when I arrived at Theater J, it's by no means something I, I brought to Theater J, is the, the case for social good is so clear, right? Mm. We, are, we are in the business of cultural preservation. We are in the business of celebration. We are in the business of telling stories that are really important for the world to hear. And we are in the business of painting an image of modern and contemporary Jewishness in all of its range, diversity, and breadth Mm. for an audience that is 60% Jewish and 40% not Jewish. And we're doing that all, you know, eight blocks from the White House or whatever it is. And so, you know, we're doing it in the heart of of the place where the nation's laws are written and, and put into practice. Yeah, that's a really good point. In addition to Theater J's very clear and distinct mission, was your own Jewishness a factor in you joining Theater J? <laughs> well, you know, the process of joining Theater J was a complicated one, and it, it started with a, a friend of mine, Stephanie Ibarra, who now runs Baltimore Center Stage, but was at the time at the Public Theater as the director of their mobile unit, I believe. And and she called me and she said, you know, Adam, I, I a headhunter has reached out to me to see if I can recommend people for this artistic director job at Theater J. You know, may I ask, are you Jewish? And I said, well, you know, like, sort of, you know, like technically it was bar mitzvah, you know, like, I mean, you know, I guess, but I'm not interested in that job. And she said, well, you know, you should just have a conversation with them. And in my first conversation with a headhunter, a wonderful search consultant named David Mallett, one of the questions he asked is, you know, what would you be nervous about with this position? I go, well, I don't think I really want this position. And I'm not really Jewish enough for this job, which was fascinating because that's how I felt at the time. And then gradually I stayed in the search, you know, at, at first just to see what it was like and get to meet this consultant better and, you know, see, see if, you know, I would learn anything from the experience. And at one point in the search, I was asked to come up with three sample seasons for Theater J. And so I, I sort of went, oh, I don't want to do that. And I almost pulled out of the search right then and there. But then I said, well, yeah, let me just go to the library and spend some time and look at some things and, and look at lists of plays and see. And I started thinking, oh, you know, that's an interesting play from a Jewish perspective. Oh, this play. Oh, this is another play. It's also Jewish. I, you know, I, I didn't think of it that way, but it also is Jewish and it does something different. You know, and, and, and the thing about Jewish theater that I learned in this exercise is that every play, everywhere, at any theater, written by any person, is both particular and universal. It is both Mm -hmm. specifically about something, and it is also a play that has universal meaning and resonance if it is a good play. So I love the play Translation, set in Ireland by, uh, you know, I I just think it's a wonderful play. And I'm not from Ireland, I've never been to Ireland, you know, it's not my culture. 
But I take universal messages about language, about communication, about love from it. Mm. And someone who's Irish might, you know, find it to be a profoundly deep cultural experience that resonates with them because of their, their own culture. So what I sort of discovered in this process is, right, you know, it's interesting to, to, to attack, let's say, the same subject over and over and over again from all these different perspectives. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And in the process of doing that, you know, each play is still universally powerful. I started to learn more and more about my own Jewishness and my own Judaism. Mm-hmm. And so that, you know, in a funny way, I, I feel more Jewish now than I was when I got this job. Not in a funny <laughs> way. I, I certainly feel more Jewish now than I was when I got this job. Now I'm taking Hebrew classes. You know. I'm in the Hay class. Year and a half. Um, (laughs) Um, So, you know, it has, I would say, changed me. But at the core, you know, I'm culturally Jewish. I'm now much more Jewishly knowledgeable because I'm reading all these plays and talking with rabbis and cantors and and people who are are observant and, and very deeply religious in all sorts of ways. And you're in the rehearsal room for Jewish play after Jewish play. You're learning so much. But in a funny way, that's a part of it that's come with the job more than something that I've brought to the job. Though I recently was delighted that Theater J hired two people, a brilliant associate artistic director named Johanna Gruenhut, who who comes from a much more observant background than I do, fluent Hebrew speaker, frequent visitor to Israel, very devoutly religious. And also our new managing director, David Lloyd Olson, who's also, you know, a very active member of his synagogue and and who I had met both through Jewish circles and through theater circles. Oh, wow. I had met him through theater circles prior to arriving in D.C. and then through Jewish circles in D.C. we reconnected. And, And so that has actually proven to be very interesting because now there's this sort of melding of these three different approaches and different minds on Jewish theater and on Jewishness within the theater that I'm finding incredibly enriching and enlightening in this phase of my artistic directorship. (laughs) That's wonderful. Funny how things affect us in a way that we don't always expect. Mm -hmm. That's one. That's really, really cool. Thank you for sharing that, Adam. When we get back, we're going to talk about the diversity of Jewish theater experiences. But for now, let's take a short break with a message from our sponsors. Thanks for listening to Theater Schmooze from Alliance for Jewish Theater. I'm Jeremy Aluma, the executive director of AJT. AJT just closed our 2021 virtual conference. It was filled with workshops, panels, performances, and more. And we had over 200 attendees from five continents and 13 countries all over the world. If you're interested in seeing more about it and learning about future AJT conferences, make sure you check out our website, alljewishtheater.org, and sign up for our email list. Thank you, and enjoy the rest of Theater Schmooze, Season 1, Episode 8. All right, everyone. Welcome back to our interview with Adam Immervar. So, as I was saying, I wanted to dig into a little bit more about the breadth of the Jewish experience on stage. One of the things that we continue to discuss in the Jewish theater world, and it actually came up during the conference quite a few times, is should a non-Jewish actor play a Jewish character? You actually recently commented about this in the Washington Jewish Week. 
saying that the phrase Jew face has an intentional resemblance to the phrase blackface, which is about the incredibly racist and harmful practice of minstrelsy. You said that the harm and scale of blackface and yellowface in American culture make the appropriation of the term Jew face problematic and inappropriate. So in your opinion, I want to ask today, how can we best portray the diversity of the Jewish experience on stage? Yeah, it's a great question. And, and embedded in that, I, I hear the question, you know, should Jewish roles be played by non-Jews? Mm-hmm. <laughs> One of the things that happens, that question gets asked, should Jewish roles get played by non-Jews, is there's a conflation often assumed in the answer between Jewishness and whiteness mm-hmm. and an assumption that all Jews look the same way. And all Jews have, you know, let's say an Ashkenazi background and are white, which we know is not the case. Ju- mm-hmm. Judaism is multicultural and multiracial and always has been. And so the idea that there's any kind of monolithic identity of Jewishness is a, is a, is a myth. And it's a myth that has been heavily perpetuated by Jewish cultural institutions. It is books, it is art, it is theater. All of these things have told the story over and over again of a certain kind of Jewishness, which has never been historically the fullness of the Jewish experience. At no point in history have all Jews been white. So mm-hmm. that's the first challenging part about unpacking this, is that baseline assumption that I think is baked into this question of who should get to play a Jew on stage. In other areas of casting, we cast according to broad racial groupings. So when you do a production of Miss Saigon, nowadays, thank goodness, most people understand it would be deeply problematic to have non-Asian actors playing those Vietnamese roles. Though, of course, when Miss Saigon was first produced on Broadway, that was not the universal view, and the, the leading role of the engineer was played by a white actor. But nowadays, people would cast that role predominantly Asian, but they wouldn't necessarily cast it predominantly Vietnamese. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And when you do a production of West Side Story, most people understand that you should have Latino actors playing. I never remember which ones are which, the Jets or the Sharks, but but very few productions, if if any, would, would say, you know, you must have Puerto Rican actors playing the Sharks. Now we come to the question of Jewish theater. And there is the assertion among some in our community that Jewish roles should be played by Jews. And and I would argue that that is an even strangely more specific a rule than we are applying in any of these other categories, right? There are plays that are about the experience of white Jews in Europe in, say, 1941 and 1942. And, you know, if you're trying to authentically capture what historically that might have looked like, if we follow the rules that we follow for, say, Miss Saigon or West Side Story, then one would argue you should cast people who appear to be white Europeans, not necessarily down to this level of either ethnic or religious detail. You know, it's, 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 it's as though if you were doing a production of Our Town, you insisted on casting only Presbyterians. It would just be bizarre, right? I mean, it's just not, it, it makes no sense. Mm-hmm. And, and I will also say that, you know, when you're doing that play set in 1940, 1941, you can decide 
that the white Jewish ethnicity that those characters have is important, and therefore you're going to cast people who appear to have that. Or you can decide to do a production and say, I actually want to expand that and tell another story with this play and cast mm. it multiracially. I have no, no qualms if that's what your production wants to do. To me, what is critical is that a production in which Jewish roles are played has deep level of research and support to ensure that those roles are played in a authentic, mm-hmm. in a well-considered, and in a thoughtful manner. And I want to be clear that when I say authentic, I, I say authentic understanding the range and breadth of Jewish experience and Jewish behaviors and Jewish ways of speaking. And I'm, I'm not saying authentic means everyone needs to talk like they're a Jew from New York. You know, that is one type of the Jewish experience. And so that's what matters to me is that there be a deep level of care about the authentic and responsible portrayal of Jews on stage. And whether that's done by casting some people who are Jewish and, and leaning on them, having a Jewish director, having a Jewish dramaturg, having you know consultants come into the room. At Theater J, we do a few things. We try very hard to be very explicit with our acting community about when the roles we are casting require the appearance of white Jewish ethnicity and when they don't, when the Jewish roles we are casting. So that when we are casting a play, say a Yiddish play set in, you know, whoever knows Yiddish world, I say that some of the plays are, that is the setting of some of them, like back in Yiddish times. When you have a play that is, you know, set in a world in which everyone's Jewish and the, the, the issues are not, oh, the Russians are coming to beat us up, but the, it's just that here we are, we're all Jewish, that we often will cast that play multiracially and say, yeah, they're all, they're all Jewish. There you go. Yeah. And when we are casting, say, Incident at Vichy, a play about a group of white Jews being rounded up in Vichy, France, mm-hmm. interrogated and and rounded up for their physical characteristics of Jewishness. They talk about their noses being measured. Mm-hmm. The men get taken into a room to, to, to be inspected to see if they're circumcised. Here's a play where we would support a production if the director so envisioned it, of casting people who appear to be white European Jews because appearance of that is a fundamental part of the plot of the play. We would also support a production if the director wanted to go another direction. But either way, we will be clear about it with our casting community. And either way, in the rehearsal room, we will bring in you know, our director of Jewish education here at the JCC that we are part of our associate artistic director, who's a brilliant dramaturg and an observant Jew. Mm-hmm. We will bring in our wonderful, we call her our Jewaturg. Her name's Miriam Zubin. <laughs> and she teaches intro to Judaism here at the JCC. And she's brilliant at coming into oh, rehearsal. Amazing. And she comes in, she's great. She answers all the questions. She she weighs in on things. But my favorite thing is she'll, she, she really understands how plays work. So she might sometimes, first time I brought her in, she came into a, a play in which while lighting the Sabbath candles, one of the characters decided to put a paper napkin on her head. And Miriam said, well, you would never put a paper napkin on your head to light the Sabbath candles. But if you did, and you were these people, you would know to put it on this way. And I thought, that's what we need. That's the kind of authenticity that matters when presenting one of these plays. 
And so that's what that's how we try to thread this needle here at Theater Tray. Oh, that's wonderful. And I love that example about the napkin because you're right. It it does speak to the diversity of Jewish experiences, even in the religious sense, right? Like I'm thinking about other communities in the world that haven't been able to practice their Jewishness so openly that they have to do it in private. And so they have to use replacements for what would be considered traditional tools or 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 uh, ritual items. And so if they were to use a napkin, this is the way they would do it. It's, it's apt. One of the things that I've been thinking a lot about recently is, you know, there are plays in which Jewish characters would probably not know how to pronounce all the words. Because you know what? There are Jews who don't know how to pronounce every Hebrew word. You know, there are, and there are multiple pronunciations of some things in, in different communities. And so this is the, this question that you got to about capturing the breadth and variety of the Jewish experiences instead of, I'll use the phrase, whitewashing it, mm. instead of sort of Ashkenazi washing it, right? <laughs> Putting everything in the sort of, you know, one version of, of authentic Jewishness when we know there are millions of versions of authentic Jewishness and they should all have room to live in the theater that we produce. Completely agree. Speaking of which, what do you hope for Theater J and the Jewish theatrical landscape over the next couple of years? What do you hope to see? You know, Theater J is in a, a tremendous place of growth right now. Our work is going out into the world in an amazing way. Our, our last three world premieres have had far over a dozen productions in a moment when the statistics are that 80% of plays that receive a world premiere never get a second production. We see the plays we choose and select picked up by other theaters later on, whether we premiered them or not. And we see our deeply devoted audience growing and getting more and more connected with us with every year. I, I think there's tremendous opportunity for Theater J to be even more of a generator of new work. And I don't only mean new plays in that regard. I mean, bringing work that is new to America, introducing American audiences to it and other Jewish theaters to it. I mean, new approaches to existing work. Two years ago, the Miller estate gave us the rights to do a, a really innovative new approach on Incident at Vichy by Arthur Miller. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's on the docket, hopefully coming up in a coming season. It was scheduled to be produced during the pandemic and obviously has had to be postponed. And that's the kind of thing that, that really excites me. I think Theater J is poised to even further have an influence and shape on how we talk about Jewish theater in this country. And that excites me tremendously. But at the same time, I'm incredibly excited by the growing and deepening relationship we have with the community that we're a part of. There are over 300,000 Jewish households in the DC metropolitan region. We are connected with some of the largest synagogues in the area. Our subscriber base has been growing for several years. COVID has obviously caused some challenges to that. There's this moment where we're speaking with our community as a whole on a deeper level than we've ever been speaking before. They're, they're taking classes with us now, classes for theater lovers. We, we had over 700 students during the pandemic wow. from multiple continents, but deeply from within our own community. So it's an exciting moment for Theater J. I think in five years, we will be tackling bigger projects. We will be working at a larger scope and scale than we are presently working. I hope that our commissioning program, which started 
in earnest five years ago. We now have four commissions in the field, and we are hopeful that to, to be able to put out another seven soon if, if everything lines up as we hope it will. Oh, that's exciting. Yeah, our commissioning program is sort of on fire right now, and some of the projects that are are in the works, I, I can't wait to share them with everyone. So I think the world is full of opportunity for us right now. It sounds like it. And I'm looking forward to the day that I can come to D.C. and see a live Theater J production as well. We would love to have you. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us today. That was really insightful and interesting, and I have so much to think about now. It's my pleasure. Thank you for having me, and thank you for hosting this podcast. I've been really enjoying listening to it. Oh, thank you, Adam. And thank you, listeners, for tuning in to Theater Schmooze. A special thanks to Danny Debner, our producer, Ilya Levinson and Alex Kaufman, the composers of our theme music, Michelle Shapiro, the creator of our logo, Jeremy Aluma, the executive director of Alliance for Jewish Theater, and the entire Alliance for Jewish Theater community. If you like what you've heard today, support this podcast and all of our initiatives towards connecting Jewish theater makers by making a tax-deductible donation to Alliance for Jewish Theater at alljewishtheater.org or joining as a member. Make sure to give us a review on iTunes and follow Alliance for Jewish Theater on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram to learn more about upcoming Jewish theater events, group meetings, and news in our world. I'm Danielle Levsky, and I'll see you all next time. L'chaim. L'chaim.